Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are in a little bit of a scheduling mishap. John Colosimo and I will get together tonight, have that out for you tomorrow. Uh, today, we have a good guest, Michael Crawford, who covers the Ravens, and I wanted to do some sort of preview, not my traditional behind enemy lines, but uh, a look at at least uh, the last two weeks for the Ravens, where some of the injuries sit, some of their vibes about going forward the rest of the way in their season you know what the Marlon Humphrey injury does to what they think the the ceiling of this team could be this year and then just sort of wanted to get a feel for what they thought they did against the rate or sorry against the Browns the first time and then the Pittsburgh game and I think this went well there's a lot to learn here and some idea of what Baltimore might do when they come into Cleveland for you know this Browns team the second time in three weeks so hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. It did uh it did work out Thursday night football. The Vikings somehow found a way to hold on after a 29-0 lead all the way up until the last play of the game. Just wild stuff as Pittsburgh is never quite out of things until they're out of things. But that loss helps the Browns and should put uh even more emphasis on this weekend's game where the Browns have a chance to start to climb those division rankings. So let's preview Everything Baltimore and and see where they're at coming into this one. We'll get over to our interview with Michael Crawford right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the weird back-to-back with the Ravens for the Browns is here. I think the Browns fans can forget that the Ravens had a game in between. Not two bye weeks for them. Um, excited to be joined by Michael Crawford. We had our last guest, Ken McCusick, who highly recommended Michael. So eager to hear from you. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well, Jake. Um, I appreciate you having me on, and it was very kind uh, of Ken to to you know put out some some nice words, some good words for me. So I appreciate him for that, too. Yeah, of course. Of course. Ken's one of the best. Let's... Let's dive in to this game. It's not going to be a traditional behind enemy lines segment because we know, based on what Ken told us, a lot about Baltimore. Obviously, having studied the film for two weeks, too. I want you to kind of fill me in on where they are. They're 
obviously talented. They're obviously decimated at the same time. So you're eight and four, won some games. I think you guys could step back and say we're pretty fortunate, but have overcome some things that are truly Baltimore's style for two decades. So just kind of give me your state of the Ravens, where you think they are heading into these last five weeks and, and sort of, I guess, a little bit of how you think they've gotten to this point. Well, it's, it's interesting you talk about that. Uh, John Harbaugh uh, has used this word several times this year, but he, he's talked about some of these finishes and the other games being miraculous. Um, whether it was the 66-yard field goal bouncing off the crossbar and in, in Detroit, um, whether it was you know the comeback against the Colts, the OT game against the Vikings. I mean, there's been like five games where it's come down to the end, and by all rights, it didn't look like they uh, should win those games, but they found a way to kind of scrap and claw and make enough plays to come back and win them. So, um, But on, on the flip side, you have kind of what you saw in the Steelers game um, just this past Sunday where um, the injuries, as you talked about, and I forget what the, the guys on IR, what the county is up to now, it might be 20 or 21 with Marlon Humphrey just recently going on IR. And uh, yeah, so it's that combined with uh, just some all around inconsistent play. I mean, you know, obviously you can point to the injuries and, uh, you know, you, you have guys out who were starters and not just starters, but, you know, in a lot of cases, pro bowl, all pro level type players in this league, Marcus Peters and, and, and other guys. Um, but the guys who've had to kind of step in and fill in, whether that's Anthony Averett, um, you know, whether that's the, the running backs that they kind of had to cobble together uh, from the free agent market, Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray. Uh, guys have, you know, performed solidly, I would say. Uh, I think I'd probably be overstating it to say that, uh, you know, it's it's been great in all cases. But I think that they've performed solidly and obviously have done well enough uh, for the Ravens to to win eight games along with some of those miraculous finishes. So inconsistency uh, is is kind of been the the theme word for me with this season, and yes, some of it is attributed to energy uh, to to injuries, but some of it also is is just individual play. Um, you know, you you guys, I guess all football fan bases have this, but uh, you know, it's it's the same thing here in in Baltimore. People you know jump on their offensive coordinator Greg Roman pretty hard about his play designs and play calls, and then you know Lamar himself has kind of had some some struggles with uh, with pressure. Uh, particularly since that Miami Dolphins game on Thursday night a few weeks ago. So it's inconsistent is the one word that I would use as kind of the theme of what this season has been. But despite that, they've won eight games. So, I mean, it's, it's really been kind of impressive. It has been impressive to see them come up with ways to win football games. You know, you can't, you can call things luck. You can call things fortunate. And there is some of that to it. But you have to put yourself in that position and you have to have the belief you're going to win. And I do think that speaks to the long established culture from John Harbaugh and the coaches that funnel it down to the players. And it, and it's a real thing, you know, guys who step in and plug uh, injured reserve positions are, are doing good enough work to win football games. And yeah, it's not perfect, but eight and four speaks for itself when they're in this spot. I think the big question has to be uh, some of the stuff with Lamar. I know that, I know that he's done some miraculous things, and he is carrying the load of this offense without the running game that they traditionally have had from the backs and offensive line play that's been uneven and Ronnie Stanley being out. I, I get it. Um, the turnover bug has hit him. I know he threw four against Cleveland. Uh, he had obviously had that turnover uh, uh, last week. I'm not sure if he had a couple or just one, but I'm curious where he's at. I mean, he's got a lot on his shoulders. He's He's battling. He's grinding. 
Um, but I'm sure there's an element where they think, hey, if we're going to get to 25, 30 points in a game, which has been a struggle, much like Cleveland, um, that, that he has to take care of the football better. Am I right on that? Or is it just, Lamar, do the best you can, man, and we're going to accept whatever you can give us type of thing? I think it's more uh, of, of the first thing that you said, where you know he's he's got to protect the ball a little bit better. Uh, his decision making needs to be a little more sound. And, you know, the, the here's the, the thing with Lamar Jackson and really any, you know, uber talented player, uh, particularly at the quarterback position. You know, sometimes they can get into these ruts of where they're trying to do too much. You know, if the offense hasn't been playing well, they've been struggling to move the ball, struggling to score points. They really take that on their shoulders and, and probably take on a little bit more than they should. But in some of those games that we talked about earlier, um, they only really won those games because he performed that way, because he took on more than he probably really should and yeah. did things to extend plays and create plays to give them an opportunity to win those games. So it's for me with him, it's about trying to strike that balance between, OK, when do I pick my spots to try to make a play, try to kind of go outside of the structure and design of a play call and and make something happen versus when do I take what the defense has given me and kind of make the routine play um, whether that means checking the ball down underneath to a back or a tight end, or whether that means even throwing the ball away, so that if you're in, you know, a scoring position, if you're, you know, with Justin Tucker, obviously that, that that's pretty much once you get like inside the the 45 yard line, uh, you want to be able to always have an opportunity to preserve points. Obviously, they want to score touchdowns, but like you mentioned, that interception in the Steelers game, you know, they're in the red zone. I forget whereabouts they were, it was 30 or 40 of, of, of the Steelers somewhere in there, maybe maybe even a little bit lower. And, you know, you get that unblocked edge pressure, which has really been the thing for him. Like I mentioned, going back to that Miami Dolphins game, that unblocked edge pressure mm-hmm. has been an issue for him. And, you know, in that situation, you'd like to say, hey, Lamar, look, I get that you're, you know, kind of backpedaling, you're bailing back, trying to buy time and you're looking for something, um, you know, maybe in the middle of the field against uh, a cover zero look. You know, that that can be a whole rabbit hole. Uh, you might not want to go down that rabbit hole, but I've had that conversation with a lot of other Ravens fans that uh, I think this whole, you know, they, they don't have answers against zero blitz is a little bit overblown because I don't think they've actually faced it as many times as people think. I think it's been presented that way by the defense, just in terms of the look. But then you have guys dropping out. Uh, you have guys in the secondary playing almost uh, a zone-type zone, zone type principles, right, where they're, they're, they're sort of matching. And, and on that play, that Steelers interception, you see Minka Fitzpatrick standing in the middle of the field. He's not technically guarding a guy, per se, in that situation. And so you see six rushers, and then five eligibles, and you're thinking, okay, well, that's that's cover zero. Well, is it if you know he's you know playing that sort of middle of the field uh, robber safety position? So he had you know Hollywood Brown on a crosser. He had a running back in the flat. They have answers built in um, to their their concepts against pressure. And for whatever reason, he's been again this word inconsistent in terms of of targeting and going to those answers. There are times where he's just trying to make the spectacular play instead of just checking it down. And like I said, preserving an opportunity to score points is, I guess the question is, do you think he's, he's 
he like okay he has he doesn't have his contract that that's going to work itself out do you think that some of the passing stuff is coming along or do you think kind of like what i've talked about baker mayfield this year where baker's dealing with injuries and and people talk about the physical side of it but they're not talking about what these injuries are doing maybe to his mental processing and causing him issues and trusting his body to throw to a place or come off a read or not be jittery in the pocket so as as much as baker's labrum and things of that nature are causing him issues I worry about long-term ramifications of the mental side of things. I know in Baltimore they're clearly dealing with a lack of some of the scenarios due to the run game stuff that they're putting them in some tough spots and the protection is not as good as it needs to be. Is there a worry that this is like this is the future version of Lamar, obviously the game's best runner at the position, but maybe is going to turn it over a little too much? Or is there like this is a one-off year where injuries have mounted, he's doing hero ball stuff when he doesn't necessarily need to do that and you know in the future editions of this team like i'm kind of just curious what the ceiling feel is for lamar does that make sense yeah no it does make sense and i think it's um i guess it's how much panic there is about some of the turnover stuff happening you know what i mean yeah well and i i do i 100 percent know and and we're seeing that um among the fan base there's sort of this split where there are people on the side of you know hey this is maybe who he is and, you know, that's terrifying us. And then there are people on the other side who are saying, no, 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 no. You got to factor in the injuries. You got to factor in the offensive line. I mean, I was talking with somebody last night and, you know, it's a bit of an oversimplification, obviously. But he said, look, if you go back and look at the year that he had a quality offensive line and sound and consistent protection, 2019 won the MVP. If you look at every year since then where they've been without um, that cohesion and guys on the offensive line, it's been up and down. But yet, you know, up more up or at least up enough that they're able to win games and get into the playoffs. And, and, you know, everybody's approach to that is just get in and, and then, you know, you can see what happens. Anything can happen once you get in. So I tend to come down on that side of it because I think that he's shown not just in his brief NFL career, but you can even go back to his days at Louisville. I don't think he's a guy who's been prone to a super, super high level of turnovers. I think he generally does a good job protecting the ball, but he is, at times in that hero ball mode right now. And, you know, when you do that, the guys at this level are too good. They're too fast. Yeah. <laughs> they're too smart. And, you know, you're, you're going to probably press a little bit too much and, and things that maybe had worked in the past when you tried to, to press and do some of that extra stuff now, because, you know, we've seen Lamar for three years now. Right. And we've seen this offense with Greg Roman as the coordinator going back to 2019. And so defenses obviously have adjusted and, you know, go in with game plans and things that they want to take away and, and areas of the field where they, they want to force Lamar to go, whether that's in the run game or even um, as a passer, you know, certain kinds of throws they want him to target. And so now that kind of stuff that was kind of catching teams off guard because they hadn't really had a, a whole lot of opportunity to prepare for it. It's it's not there as often. And that's why I think the the plane within structure a little bit more. Again, he's a creator by default. That's his play style. He's not a recreator, right? There's certain quarterbacks that I think are recreators and they're, they're guys who are creators. And I don't think that it's a, a binary thing. Like you, you've got to be one or the other. I think it's almost like a spectrum. You know, you can, you can lean a little bit more towards the creator side as your kind of natural default play style. But then at times you can also play uh, more on the recreator side and sort of, um, you know, take your drop, work through your progressions, get the ball out on time when you reach the top of your drop with accuracy. You know, you can play that way as well. And so for him, 
I think he's in this this place where he needs to balance that out a little bit more. Right. We love the creator. You never want to coach the playmaker out of a guy like that. But we also need you to be a little bit more balanced on the recreator side and kind of just work through what's there and, and take what's there. And I think the, the offense will will still be effective enough if you do that. Couldn't agree more um, about about. I love that analogy, the creator recreator. That's great stuff. I I mean, I'm obviously very high on Lamar. I think he does things that people don't want to discuss when they talk about him as a passer. It's this tendency to leave out, you know, to focus on what he does as a passer, maybe deficiencies. And I don't think he's got a ton of them, but they focus on the deficiencies and then fail to note all the things they do in the run game that makes them a unicorn at the position. It's just it's silly. But I am interested in where the fan base stands on the turnover stuff, because it is a problem. I mean, this offense, although clearly limited, they do have most of the receiving talent. So there is a burden to put more points on the board because the defense is decimated. So we switch to defense and we start talking about the loss of Marlon Humphrey. It's huge. How huge really is it, though? Do they? Is it just like, all right, man, put it on our tab. We'll try to keep figuring this thing out. Or is it like so big that you start to shift your expectations for the final five games? It's obviously big. Um, you know, he's been an all pro level cornerback um, the last couple of years. And so anytime you lose that kind of a player, it's it's going to to have a big impact. Um, but I was uh, talking about this with a couple of guys that I do a podcast with. We uh, you know, I have a podcast called the Deep Cover Podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's Kerry Stevenson and Chris Aguilera and myself. And we were talking about that very thing. And I said, you know, if you look at the guys who have to kind of step in and step up, you know, with with Marlon being out now, it's Jimmy Smith, who we all know has been around a long time. You know, the grizzled veteran Uh, Tavon Young, who's come back this year after, you know, having some really bad injury luck for for two years in a row. Um, And he's come back this year and he's kind of been battling through some injuries recently. But, um, you know, he's he's sort of found his footing uh, getting back into uh, having, you know, somewhat regular snap count. You have Anthony Averett, who this team has always kind of viewed as a guy who was good enough to be a starting corner on a lot of teams in the NFL, but just because of who they had in front of him, you know, <laughs> Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, he's he's kind of been uh, more of a backup guy. And then you have Qu- uh, Chris Westry, a guy who I think this is his second year in the league. I think he came in with the Cowboys out of Kentucky. Big, long guy, 6'4", a um, little over 200 pounds. You just don't see and, and and I forget, you know, what he ran. It was somewhere in the four fours. And, you know, you just don't find, you know, corners that size with that length, with that speed. It um, don't grow on trees. And so he's a guy that they brought in um, this offseason and, and played pretty well in the in the preseason and throughout training camp. And he's played throughout the year as well. And so, you know, my, my whole point there was like, hey, these are four guys who made your 53 man roster out of camp. You know, all four of those guys, obviously, you know, Tavon and Jimmy were going to make it and a- and Averitt as well. But even even Chris Westry made the 53, which is, you know, sort of a stark contrast. And maybe Ken McCusick um, mentioned this to you at some point. You can go back to years like 2017 and 2014 where they're signing and, and, and no shade to these guys because obviously they're in the NFL. But I'm, I'm just, you know, to, to illustrate the point, you're signing guys like Danny Gore off the seat, off the, off the street at this point in the season to play cornerback, you know, to start at cornerback for you. And they're not in that position right now. You have guys who've been with your team, who've made your team, who've played, you know, a lot of snaps in some cases. So that doesn't mean that um, there won't be any pack, any any impact with losing Marlin, because obviously he was a pretty versatile guy, could play outside, could play inside, um, physical, good cover guy, good in run support. But 
I think you've got some guys who, again, are solid, have experience, can step in. And, you know, maybe Wink will adjust the defense a little bit. We talked about that a little bit, too. Like, hey, maybe they'll play a little more zone. That just seems like uh, that's not in his coaching DNA, no matter what the situation is. You know, outside of that game against the Chiefs this year, I I don't think that uh, they've played a ton of zone. I think they played a lot in that game. And uh, that's really just not who he is philosophically. So, Will he still continue to play man and send pressure even even with you know Humphrey Allen and these other guys having to, to fill in? Yeah, I think they, they will. The yeah, that's thing, the big question is, is are they, they going to be as aggressive without those corners, right? Yeah, and I think they will. I think he will because, again, I think that's who he is as a coach. That is in his coaching DNA. Now, will he do it as much uh, as he as he did when he had Humphrey and some of the other guys? It remains to be seen. I would lean towards no. He probably dials it back a little bit just to kind of help those guys out and and protect those guys a little bit. But you've also got to get a pass rush. And, you know, Ravens fans know that they've they've had a difficult time getting a a consistent uh, rush with four guys. And they've had to to bring pressure and do different things to um, to create that pressure and, and, and get after the quarterback. So I just don't see that going away totally. But, you know, can it can it be dialed back a little bit? Um, and, and still be used situationally? Sure, I can see that. Yeah, I think that's the big thing we're wondering, is like Cleveland's like, well, they have to change their way of going about structuring their defense because they don't have these... Well, I'm like, well, you know, I don't think that they're going to be running and hiding from Donovan Peoples-Jones and, and some of the wide receiver talent Cleveland's bringing too. I think that they feel like they can still do what they do. You know, it's different than maybe playing Minnesota or different than playing... You know, maybe Cooper Cup in the race. It's different. The wide receiver town Cleveland's putting out there is not one that you should be afraid of consistently beating you, even if you're running out some guys who maybe aren't your first or second options. There's still talent to be had there. So um, update us real quick, Michael, before we split. I know we're doing this early in the week, and this is posted Saturday. Uh, any of the injury stuff you've seen? I know that I was looking at Twitter today, and I saw uh, some guys that were going to be out. A lot of DBs were missing. Uh, practice. I'll go through these real quick, and you can tell me whether they think they're going to play. Anthony Averett's missing today. Chuck Clark, Anthony Levine. Um, are those guys typically on the list? Are they they still should be able to play this weekend? Anthony Averett has been. He's been on the list over the last couple of weeks, and and he did miss a game um, in there. It might have been the Chicago game uh, with. I can't remember if it was illness or injury. They they had you know kind of a an illness go through the team. Not not COVID, um, but some guys you know be so sick that they couldn't play. Lamar didn't play in that Chicago game just because he was that sick. And I don't think Avert did either. Um, but you know, the, the Steelers game, he was able to go, even though he was listed on the report, Chuck Clark and Anthony Levine are, are new to the report. I think more recently, Chuck might've been there last week. He might've got dinged up with something last week, but he's, he's pretty much an iron man. Um, he's, he's out there, you know, pretty much come, you know, rain, rain or shine. So I'd expect him to be out there unless there is something more significant going on. And he finished the the Steelers game. So I didn't, I didn't see anything, you know, at, at that point, um, that that would indicate that you know he wouldn't he wouldn't be able to go this week against Cleveland. So I would expect those guys to go um, just because that's been the mo uh, the last game or two. But um, yeah, it's it's been a mounting issue, and you're just trying to get through games at this point with you know with four <laughs> with enough cornerbacks to roll out there and actually play coverage. It's it's been tough. I know that was a big point John Harbaugh made about um, <laughs> you know going for two in this in the Pittsburgh game was hinging on the fact they didn't have enough DBs to keep playing, which is just, it's madness. On the offensive side, Patrick Ricard, Patrick McCarry, Nick Boyle, all on the list. Are those guys expected to go, or do you think there might be some question there? 
Uh, I think there's definitely going to be question with Makari. Uh, he came out during the Steelers game, and Tyree Phillips had to come in and, and play right tackle for him. And uh, I think after that game, Harbaugh said that he thought Makari was going to be out a few weeks. Now, maybe you know a day, a couple days have gone by, and 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 maybe they have a a clearer picture of, of just what the injury is and how he's coming along. But uh, when I heard that initially, and he's he's missed a couple of games earlier this season, um, I was leaning towards that. Like, you know, there's there's probably a, a better than average chance that he doesn't go this week. Nick Boyle's been trying to work his way back from that injury he suffered last year in that, that uh, monsoon game they had against the Patriots on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, really, you know, basically destroyed his knee um, and had, you know, a couple of different surgeries. And took him a while to get back this year, but he's played in a couple of games, but then he sat after he played in a game um, just because he said, you know, it wasn't kind of responding the way he wanted to. Uh, but I think they gave him that game off last week against the Steelers, <coughs> excuse me, in the hopes that maybe, you know, he'd, he'd uh, feel good enough to go this week. So I think there's a chance for him to go. And then Patrick Ricard, that's a new one for me, too. He hadn't been on the report recently. And obviously he's a really important part of their run game and what they've been doing this year without Nick Boyle. Um, you know, he's he's really kind of filled in in that Boyle role. Um, in a lot of ways. Yeah, they have other tight ends and Eric Tomlinson and Josh Oliver. But, you know, Ricard is kind of that. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of this old term that uh, Northwestern used to call it like the super back. Yeah. Right? They do a little yeah. bit of everything, you know, fullback, tight end, H back, a little bit of everything. So he's been really important to them in the run game. So hopefully um, it's not anything too serious with him and, and he has an opportunity to go. Two important pieces up front are the other two. Calais Campbell did not play a couple weeks ago with the Browns. And then I think Justin Houston might just be a veteran designation there because uh, he obviously, I think he's had a couple good weeks games. He lit up Cleveland. Are those two going to go this weekend, you think? I think so. Calais played the entire Steelers game after missing that Browns game. Um, you know, looked pretty good. And so I think there's a good chance that he's going to go. And, yeah, Houston has been getting bet days uh, pretty much every week um, since the beginning of the season. Um, just because, you know, guys who like him and Calais who, who've played as much as they've played, um, you know what you're going to get from those guys, even if they miss a day or two of practice in a game. So, yeah, I, I think they're probably both going to be okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. I appreciate your uh, your time, Michael. Like I said, you guys are listening to this. We recorded it earlier in the week. So if you know of something that we did not talk about, it's because it did not happen before Wednesday here at about 2.30 Eastern time. So uh, we took into account everything we can, covered where the Ravens were after the last one, what to look for in this one, and all of the injury issues, because that is the story, unfortunately, for both of these teams is how they've responded to injuries. Michael, tell everybody where they can find your work, man, before we split. So I mentioned I do a podcast with a couple other guys, Chris and Kerry. Uh, that's called the Deep Cover Podcast. You can just Google, uh, go, you can go on YouTube and just search Deep Cover Podcast. Also do another show with a guy named Denar Milton uh, called The Fire Zone Show. That's like our purely defensive-focused show for the Ravens. It's all we talk about on there is defense. That's also on YouTube. Um, you know, we do a video version, we do an audio version. You can use those names, uh, on, you know, whatever your podcast platform that you use and and find those shows too. And then they're both, uh, on Twitter, if you want to follow that way and, and sort of be able to see when we post new content, it's, uh, at deep cover pod and at the fire zone show. So, um, we're out there. Uh, this has been our first year kind of adding some additional content, um, so it's, it's been fun. It's been busy, <laughs> but it's been fun. So you can check us out there and in those places. Good stuff, Michael. We appreciate your time. I know Browns fans listening to this year over the weekend, um, plenty of things to learn and they appreciate it as well. Thanks again, man. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. 
Sorry once again, guys, a little bit about the uh, mix-up in days here. Life happens. Can't always get with people for recordings like we would love. Uh, apologies that we couldn't get with John for our usual Friday episode, but I do promise that we will get with him for our Saturday episode this week, which will ultimately work out. So hopefully you all have had a great week, relaxing week. We've had some time to not think about Browns wins and losses necessarily, but now we're back to the grind as the Browns host the Ravens for this one o'clock, then have their Saturday showing with the Raiders looming uh, next weekend. So important five weeks coming up. Can't be important if you don't win the first one. We will see how the Browns are able to get it done or not against the Ravens this weekend. So come back tomorrow. Check out my episode with John. We'll have our game day preview with Brad for your Sunday morning. Reminder, it is a one o'clock kickoff, not a primetime game against the Ravens. So, um, you know, I think that's a good reminder after after the Sunday night one a couple weeks ago. So anyway, have a great Friday, guys. Appreciate your support, the OBR, whether through the website, Twitch, or this podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Go Browns.